All right, so um, Digital Bulletin has some things that I'm going to refer to that you guys can check out later um, that will be part of this message. And um, we're going to continue on into this study where we're going through Mark, and we're calling this Walk With Me, and this idea where we're walking with Jesus the same way the disciples walked with him, and the same way that he invited his disciples to just come walk with him and journey with him. And what we see in the gospel of Mark and you see in the other gospels is these encounters, these conversations that Mark has or that um, Jesus has with the community and what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, um, and so we get these beautiful insights and what we're doing is taking them kind of thought by thought or encounter by encounter and, and unpacking them and looking at them and just saying, what is Jesus telling us about um, life in the kingdom and what it looks like now. So uh, last week, uh, Carissa did a great job of reminding us that this is uh, pumpkin spice latte season or pumpkin spice everything season. Um, And for some of you, you're like, I'm excited about that. And some of you are like, I'm kind of angry about it. Um, So that's okay. I understand. Um, And we had that conversation. We figured out who's in and who's out um, with the whole pumpkin spice thing, not anything else. But um, uh, but really what we... what she was hitting on was the idea of seasons, these seasons that we need to recognize when to begin to worship Jesus, when to center it around Jesus, when to do certain things, because she was talking about fasting and Sabbath and how the Pharisees were like, you're not doing it correctly. And he was like, I'm here, worship, be with me, be present. You don't need to be fasting when Jesus is here. I'm in your midst, like get the net. Um, but they just didn't get it. So they were about all these rules and they were missing the point and Jesus calls them out on it. And so here's another example where it goes what I would want to call kind of the Quentin Tarantino version of Mark, where it just goes extreme. It gets a little intense. That might not be a good reference. I don't know. I've never watched a Quentin. I have. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't lie in church. But um, Things get intense, and, and that's why I just went straight for the, the title here of just like healing on the Sabbath, let's kill him. And so it, it goes extreme, it like goes from just a casual conversation, you know, like in most Quentin Tarantino films, and then all of a sudden it just went like, what just happened? Like that was intense, intense and that's crazy, and that's what's going to happen right now. So let's read it, let's, let's see what happens. So uh, we're in chapter three, it'll be on the screen, we're going to read one through six, and it's also in the digital bulletin. Um, Another time, so another crazy situation is what Mark's saying. Um, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Right off the bat, it's already looking bad. They're like, let's find a way to mess with this guy. we're We're not into what he's doing. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Let's see if we can catch him doing something wrong. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. If you want to underline something, that would be one to underline, highlight, circle. Um, And he said said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Restored is another one we want to highlight or underline there. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Okay, so we got some names. We got the Herodians. We got some situations. We got a guy who's got a shriveled hand. 
who Jesus now heals, and you got the Pharisees who are there just to watch every move and make sure that he fails in some way. <sighs> what you see here in the Pharisees is another like just deep sigh. It's like it's kind of frustrating that they're just continually coming back. They're coming back for more. And what they do is they're trying to find a way to trip up Jesus once again, right? We've already went through that conversation last week. If you want to go back and listen to that one, um, they just take it even further. They don't know when to stop. And they just keep, they're just relentless with um, the questioning and the challenging. And what I want to point out is that sometimes in the church, there can be a critique of questioning and challenging. I believe as a community that should be highly encouraged. So I hope that you don't hear in this message that questioning and challenging what's happening is a bad thing. But what I hope that you hear is the motive for the questioning and challenging, right? So there's a difference between coming at somebody to prove them wrong versus coming at somebody with a conversation just to hear and learn and pass back and forth what we would call dialogue, right? Dialogue is, or healthy dialogue, I should say. Maybe your idea of dialogue has been twisted in some way. But healthy dialogue is a give and a take. And there's a, let me hear, what I hear you're saying is this, and let me throw back, well, what about this? What they're doing is they're, it says right off the bat, they're finding some way to just ruin him. So their hearts are already in this place we see that is very, very um, destructive. Um, how did the Pharisees get to this place? Like, they're supposedly the, the religious authority at that time, Right? They're supposedly the ones that love God the most out of anybody, right? They know the rules. They know everything about it. They know the Ten Commandments back and forth. They knew Torah memorized, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? Like, be completely committed to God and loving his people. You should be known for that. And that's what the Pharisees are not known for in this moment. They're not known for it. And so how did they get to this place? And I want to begin to unpack that a little bit because how do we get there? Like, how do they get to this place where they're, they want to kill him, right? <laughs> like, if you say that out loud a few times, you're like, that's crazy. Kill him. Like, we might have, you might have read this passage before and you're like, yeah, they just wanted to kill him casually. Like a casual killing, you know? No, that doesn't happen. Like, killing is, that, it's complete opposite of what these guys are about. So there had to have been a deep challenge, a deep conviction that they had that was being disrupted, right? Something was being disrupted that moved them to this place. And they had to have made small compromises that eventually had serious consequences. Making small compromises in our lives, this is like the first thing, this first little truth that I want to pull out of this passage, is that it can lead us into places that are very destructive. When we begin to make small compromises in certain areas... Um, and hopefully this message will challenge you to think about that a little bit more because um, it challenges me. Like, we can never stop thinking and challenging and questioning, but when we make uh, little compromises, we begin to um, lose track of what's really important. Um, something really valuable happened this week. I don't know if you guys heard in the news about Facebook. Anybody? So you hear some head nods? Okay, well, if you haven't, I'm going to give you the full like breakdown on it real quick because... Facebook, um, just to use as an example, um, their original goal was to connect people. Well, I take that back. If you know the original goal, it was to judge people's beauty at a college. 
That's how it started. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, it was, um, what was it called? It was face something. Do you guys remember it? There's some other term for it, but it was basically to grade your classmates' beauty. That's how it started, right? Yeah. Yep. And so it was to grade people's beauty in, at college campuses. Okay, so it did have some dark roots, okay? But really, it started to connect people. That was like the intention. When it really got big, it was, the purpose of it was to connect people. And, um, and what happened is I, I think they began to recognize that by exploiting people, you can profit. You can profit really well. Um, and so in the news, there was a whistleblower that worked for, uh, for Facebook. Her name's Frances Haugen. And... Um, in an update that I got from this, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the social dilemma, but they send out updates on what's going on, like anything social media related that's been like moving in the right direction or needs changing or whatever. And, um, and so here's the kind of the update that they gave out. It says, the 10,000 plus internal documents lay bare, talking about that Francis uh, brought out, um, that's crazy, 10,000 plus documents. Um, like Big Tobacco, the underlying financial incentives driving big socials, talking about social media business model, are harming our health and well-being. And they know it. So these companies know it. Facebook knows it. Um, Congress now has clear evidence that Instagram makes body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. They know it. Like this isn't like a a theory or like the effects of it. It's like they know it and yet they still exploit it. Let that sink in. They know it. They know that one in three girls are having body images, image issues because of Facebook, because of Instagram, and they still do it. That's pretty dark. Um, it says that group recommendations are fanning the flames of ethnic violence globally. And you add in the fact that they also found out that there's now like the top 10 Christian sites are bots, right? So they're not even people that are making these things. They're just bots that have been programmed that like now create division, like intentionally create division. And they know this and they allow it. So now all of you that hate each other because of your, your opinion on something, you're fighting a computer. You're not even angry at another person. How crazy is that? Like that blows my mind. And then it says, engagement optimization has led political parties in Poland, India, and Taiwan, for example, so there's more, the United States I would say is part of that as well, to take more extreme policy positions. So they're affecting how our culture works, how, politi how political operations take place, all this stuff. It's impacting it, and they know it, and they won't do anything about it. And they continue to fan in the flame, like the flame of division and... Um, dissension and frustration with other people, right? That anger is just being encouraged because they profit. They profit off it. So a company that originally started with, hey, let's connect people and we can make money off of that and that'd be great, is now doing damage and being like, let's make money off the damage because the damage makes us more money than just connecting people. Like connecting people so like, I don't know, early 2000s. It's crazy. Like, I know it's like, kind of like depressing for a Sunday morning, but if you think about like what begins to happen when we make small compromises and we look at the Pharisees who should have been the religious 
authority of what it means to connect with God in meaningful and powerful ways have now said, we need to kill this guy because he's going to mess with this prophet that we have, this authority that we have. He's going to really disrupt everything, and we can't have that. So let's, let's stoop all the way to the point of kill, murder. That's wild, right? Like the compromises in their soul and in their spirit that had to have taken place. It's a deep sigh. So when we feel, I think, our agenda being challenged, the automatic default is to get defensive. And that's what you see these guys doing. Like their, their situation in life is being challenged and now they're going to get defensive and they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they get their way. What Jesus, 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 what Jesus models um, is this response in the midst of it where he demonstrates love. So check out verse 5 again. He says, <clears throat> he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. So Jesus was angry about this. He's like, which, where you guys are at, like there can be this like, kind of righteous anger where it's like, what you guys are doing is so destructive. When you read these stats about Facebook, like that's so destructive. Like the way that that's going to infiltrate into our community, it already has, and the way that's going to f- affect society when you talk about one in three teen girls and like their body image, like that's, you can't, you don't reverse these things, right? Easily. That doesn't go away. It doesn't, you just, just like change it and say, sorry guys, let's change it and do something different. That doesn't happen. So like to be angry about these things, is, it's okay. Jesus was angry about these things. When there's injustices, it's okay to be angry. But here's what he does with it. He doesn't come back with another like, let me retweet something even more angry, you know, and more angry. Like, let me come back with some real aggression. Here's what he does. He goes, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. He turned to restoration, right? So we see restoration is the heart of Jesus. Pharisees are there to protect their, their bottom dollar, right? Make sure that finances stay the same. Make sure that we can still have prestige in the community. That's all they cared about. And Jesus saw right through it. It angered him. It frustrated him. And so what did he do? He responded with restoration. He responded with the thing that everybody could see and go, wow, that's awesome. That is good. That is life-giving. So how can we respond? I think there's a million ways we can respond, right? But we can respond being a culture that says we're not going to shame people for body image. We're not going to encourage that sort of thing. We're going to be a people that are going to love people regardless of who they are. We're going to begin to demonstrate what it looks like to bring restoration in this world. And so it grieved his heart and he took action and he took action in a way that didn't fan more anger, divisiveness. Um, he demonstrated like real truth and what it looks like. Um, and so I just ask this question if you want to write it down. How can we be part of rest, the restoration process? Um, one way that I can see this happening and that, I've, um, that I want to illustrate through this little, this little video that Matt shared with me, um, and semi-nervous sharing it because of kind of the, the ad that it is. It's a beer commercial, um, so it's kind of weird to be sharing a beer commercial in the church, but um, there's no kids in here. We're good. Um, you guys are all adults, um, but essentially it's open your mind, and what I want you to do is watch and see what happens in this, in this scenario and what, what they begin to recognize as really valuable, okay? Check this out. 
I would describe my political views as the new right. I'd say that I'm left. Feminism today is man-hating. I would describe myself as a feminist, 100%. I don't believe that climate change exists. We're not taking enough action on climate change. I think it's about time these people got off the high horse and started looking for credible problems that actually exist. It's absolutely critical that trans people have their own voice. That's not right. You can't, you know, you're, you're a man, be a man, or you're a female, be a female. Women do need to remember that we need you to have our children. Could I be friends with someone that says the women's place is in the home? Um... Right, OK, well, I'm an expert at flat packs. If you have any trouble, just watch me. So it looks like I've got your instructions here. I think so. Let me help you. Let's just that bit there. Describe what it is like to be you in five adjectives. OK, frustrating. Dedicated. Opinionated. Lucky. Ambitious. Offensive. Solemn. I have ups and downs. Strong. I want to say attacked. Misunderstood. Name three things you and I have in common. We're both male, we're both confident, and we're both loudly spoken. We know each other better than people who've known each other for ten minutes should. You seem quite ambitious and positive, and you've got this really, um... Got a glow. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Your aura's pretty cool. I'm sensing. Are you uh, for military or something? People have said that, but there is no, really? there is no history. So are you then Ex, ex-military? Um, yeah. If you're ex-military, I'm very proud of you already. Well... So. I grew up uh, in a bit of a rough state. I've experienced homelessness. I've known what it's like to have absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely most grateful just just for life we've only just met but i think you're the sort of person that would listen to me and we'd have a discussion rather than argue yeah you could hang out with man let's go my chance goodness sake you're right mate fitter than a look perfect oh yeah there you go it's basically i think we just bought a bar yeah okay here. <laughs> Each take a bottle and place it on its corresponding markings on the bar. Attention, please now stand to watch a short film. Feminism today is definitely an excuse for misandry, man-hating. If somebody said to me that climate change is destroying the world, then I'd say that is total piffle. So transgender, it is very odd. We're not set up to understand or see things like that. I am. A daughter, a wife. I am transgender. I feel like the battle for feminism definitely isn't done. The fight is never going to be over, if I'm honest with you. You now have a choice. You may go, or you can stay and discuss your differences over a beer. I'm only joking. <laughs> You're happy for a second, then. Well, I'm having a drink. I'm having a drink. Yeah. I want to discuss. Beer. Yeah, beer and discuss. Cheers. At the end of the day, mate, i reaching out to people, with you. yeah. And, you know, even if you wanted to convince people about your point, the productive thing to do would be to sit it's down engaged. and have a beer. It's engage. It's engage.
I've been brought up in a way where everything's black and white, but life isn't black and white. Yeah, I'm just me. Yeah. <laughs> Smash the patriarchy. <laughs> I'll give you my mobile number, you give me yours, uh -huh. and we'll keep in touch. I'd have to tell my girlfriend that I'd be texting another girl. <laughs> she might be a bit upset with that, but I'll have to get round there. I'll have to tell my girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know why that makes me emotional, but um, as I begin to think about ways that we connect and the ways that these stats that I shared about social media divide, and then I think about really what happens when we sit down and have conversation with people and have a discussion and how you get to know people and how powerful that can be, I think of Jesus and I think of the ways that he calls us to interact with people. And um, I think what breaks me is that what you see in the Pharisees is, is nothing new. It's in our culture. It's woven. It, we're all part of that at some point, right? Um, where we create some kind of divide, where we're not willing to sit down and have a discussion with people. And I think what's beautiful before you tell people that your pastor said to go have a beer with somebody, which, okay, if you want to do that, go for it. But um, what I would encourage is that you go and have an honest discussion with people and that you value people and value relationships because I think what that commercial tells us is that um, we sometimes lead with the wrong message. We lead with what divides us rather than what unites us. And what's interesting is as you watch those stories, you see there's a lot of brokenness in every single person's past, right? Um, and so many times we're defined by whatever label it is that's thrown out end rather than, oh, this is where you're from. Like, now I know you know maybe why you believe what you believe or the conclusions that you've came to. And yeah, I love that line. Like I just said, you know, I think I was raised with black and white thinking and maybe there's a little more gray in this world. And maybe I need to recognize that there is more nuance to relationships. There's more nuance to personalities and how we relate to people. And, um, and so, yeah, Hashtag open your world. <laughs> I don't really care about Heineken at all, but I love the message and I love what they captured and what they recognized we need, right? That's why it sells and that's why it's probably, probably went viral um, because of the fact that we all long for that like deeper human connection, meaningful connection. Um, in verse 6, the Pharisees went out and began to plot then with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. They plotted further, tried to divide even more. How can we really just drive a wedge into this thing? And, and then they plot with the Herodians, which they were a political, a Jewish political party that wanted to basically partner with Rome in order to further their agenda. Sound familiar? That maybe politically will solve all the world's problems. That's what the Herodians were about. So if you always want to remember whenever the Herodians come up in Scripture, they were like, politically, we're going to align with whoever we can to make sure that we get our agenda moved forward. Um, we see that culturally here in the United States. Um, and I'm not about bashing political agenda and how that can definitely make progress and begin to bring some solutions. But when we stake our lives on that, when that becomes the gospel, when that becomes core to who we are, I think we lose the fact that Jesus is most important. The same way the Pharisees held so tightly to their agenda, the Herodians held so tightly to their political agenda, 
and they miss the fact that Jesus is right in front of them, healing somebody, bringing restoration, and doing the thing that really they all wanted, is God to come fully here on earth and just reign and have his presence. And what Jesus is doing is demonstrating what the kingdom looks like. It's healing, it's bringing restoration, and they're missing it. So, I think to kind of, I think, bring a bit of a close, because I want to make sure I have enough time to to have our greeting. Um, the, the culture that we find ourselves in where we elevate, I think, political agenda, which could be like Christian nationalism, and that's not just America, that could be anywhere in the world where you put your country before the gospel and before um, the kingdom of God. Um, even our culture right now of cancel culture that basically says, if you don't agree with me, you're out. Um, that's completely opposite of what Jesus models and completely opposite of even what that video demonstrates, right? Um, cancel culture says, if you don't believe what I believe, then you don't get to be part of the conversation. And, and that's very pervasive in our culture right now, right? Um, if you're doing something destructive, you're out. And that's what the Pharisees saw. And we do not want to become that. Another layer that we see here in this passage um, is the fact that Pharisees and Herodians um, didn't typically agree and didn't typically hang out together. And now because of this one thing that they're angry about, they're like, let's align, let's come together and we can all be angry together at this one person. Isn't that wild? That anger will drive us to be like, well, let's just partner up with these people because they're also angry. And if I can get them on my team, then we can all be angry at them together. More division, more destruction, and yet there's this phrase, kill Jesus. Kill Jesus. Like, that's insane. Like, if that doesn't, like, raise our eyebrows to go, what were they thinking? It's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not kill. <laughs> right? Like, crazy. It blows my mind. Oh, but that's the passage that we find ourselves in, and we see the response of Jesus continually. Restoration is key. One of the things I think we need to learn is that we have blind spots. We all have them, every single one of us in this room. We all have blind spots, and there's things that we miss. And a great way to see this, um, you don't have to fully see it, but basically what it tells you to do is close your right eye, focus on the dot, and get closer and closer, and the plus sign will disappear. I put it in your bulletin, so the digital bulletin, so you can try it at home later. I'm just going to describe it so you can trust me on this. It works. I did it this morning, um, just to make sure again. And if you close your left eye and you focus on the plus sign and get closer and closer, the other one disappears. When we focus too heavily on one thing, we lose sight of what's going on on the other side. And we can be looking at the dot and totally miss the positive thing. You have to be able to get close. You have to like do this one. And there's like, it's your vision basically. It just focuses on one thing and then like there's a blind spot that we have. Um, but what happens here is this, I don't really care about the, the image or whether it works or not. It's just like the illustration is what matters. You focus on the dot and you miss the positive. You completely miss the opportunity to like engage in something else because you're so focused on what you want to focus on. And I think that happens to us a lot. 
that we have blinders, that we miss the thing that could be happening around us in really beautiful ways. And that's what happens to the Pharisees right now. There's this cognitive brokenness that happens where they're just like, they're so focused on their agenda that they're going to do whatever it takes, kill, and miss the fact that Jesus is right in front of them healing. We all have these blinders. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be um, a psychologist and understand all of this stuff, but I nerd out enough and dig into it enough to like make myself dangerous probably. Um, but did some research and um, cognitive distortions, there's a whole list of them. If you want to dig that out, it'd be a fun thing to dig into this week, get into your, all the cognitive distortions that we all have. Um, but the number one thing is having all or nothing thinking, polarized thinking, all or nothing. It's my way or the highway, right? And it describes it as black and white thinking. This distortion manifests as an inability or unwillingness to see shades of gray. In other words, you see things in terms of extremes. Something is either fantastic or awful. You believe you're either perfect or a total failure. In the Pharisees' eyes, there was one way. This is how it works, and you do not mess with it. So much so, they lost the real meaning of it, and now they're trying to kill somebody, right? So there's a cognitive distortion where they're just like, it's all or nothing. Either we keep this thing and we keep the God thing pure because this guy's really messing with it right now and we kill him, or we're going to have to move into this gray area where God might be doing something different right now. Wait, and there's this Jesus and he's healing people and maybe we need to change our thinking. Maybe we need to change our perspective a little bit here and begin to recognize that God is up to something different. The Pharisees were not willing to do that. Neither were the Herodians. That's why they're out to kill. So why do I bring this up? I think that we have these blind spots in our own lives at times. Even if you've been around, like you're loving Jesus, committed to Jesus, worshiping him on a regular basis, like committed to living this life of following Jesus, you can still have moments where you have blind spots, where you might be the person that pushes people away, um, that has outbursts in anger and frustration, whatever it is, like, and not dealing it in a way that brings restoration. There's, it's, there's unlimited ways that we live into this and live into our blind spots and miss what Jesus is trying to do. And what I want to call us to is recognize what Jesus did that's beautiful in restoration, as well as recognize that we could be the Pharisees at some moment, right? We could be those people that are like, no, that's not how Jesus works. Like Jesus works within the building here on a Sunday morning and not out there during the week in my job, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but we have to begin to unpack those things. And what that requires is reflection. It requires introspection, recognizing where we're at, what we're dealing with. Um, Psalm 139 is a beautiful way to do that. And that's how I want to close um, to give you guys a few minutes that if you want to sit and reflect, you're welcome to. But Psalm 139 has this posture, this is, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I believe that if the Pharisees were truly praying this psalm that they would have had memorized probably, maybe they would have seen something different, right? And maybe at times in our week where we get frustrated and things aren't working the way that we want, Maybe if we sat with this passage and began to go, okay, what are you doing, God? And what are you trying to teach me? How can I begin to shift my perspective so I can begin to see the positive that's going on in the world right now and begin to see the good thing that you might be doing, the restoration that you might be doing? 
and maybe change the way that I'm acting, the way that I'm living. Um, hopefully none of you are saying, kill Jesus. I don't think we're doing that. But we do at times, I think, stifle what Jesus is doing. There is times I know that I do that because I'm selfish and I'm tired and I'm grumpy at times and I get hangry and whatever, you know, like fill in your blank. But we need to like sit, sift through those things and begin to see what are the areas that I need to I want to start with um, just five minutes of greeting and, and what I want to do is give space that if you need to sit here and just reflect on that, we'll just leave that Psalm 139 up there. If you need to sit and reflect on that, then I would say go for it. Uh, we're going to have some music playing. Um, so you don't feel distracted. But if you want to sit there and just think about it, anybody who stays seated, sit and just don't interrupt them and we'll rec- respect your space. But if not, stand up, meet somebody new, grab a cup of cold brew or coffee or whatever, and, um, and get to know somebody. I'm not giving you any specific task other than meet somebody and ask them, get to know how their week was, okay? That's it. So um, let me pray and then uh, we'll go into that time. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word as challenging and convicting as it is, Lord, um, do a work in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Um, Begin to transform us from the inside out and begin to help us to see people differently. Help us to see what you're doing in our lives differently because I know that you're longing to work through us. I know that sometimes we're just the block in the way that just seems to to block what you're trying to do uh, through us that can be beautiful restoration in other people's lives and even in our own lives. And so we surrender to you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.